Good day, my friends, and welcome to another moment, a Black History Moment with Bo. And I am here today to put something on your eardrum, something that I hope reaches your brain. And I know some of you get upset because it seems like the show is lagging behind, but we're really not. You see, everything that is done for this show is done by me. I must record it, I must edit it, I must go through and make sure there ain't no outside noises on the tape, and I listen to it over and over before I release it to you. And I make sure that my facts are true. And I try to keep one or two shows ahead, just in case something happens and I can't get to you, I can still download a program for you. But then again, punctuality is not the topic of this program, right? And I take on all of these tasks myself because I love doing it. And I'm not going to censor myself to comfort anybody's ignorance. I didn't choose the path of awakening. I got the inner calling because my ancestors chose me. And I was told there comes a time when silence is betrayal. And the saddest thing about betrayal is that it never, ever comes from our enemies. So settle back, my friends. Pour you a tall drink, roll you a fat one, whatever your heart desires, and let's slip into darkness. You have heard me say before how astonished the newscasters seem to be because there was fighting going on in Europe between Russia and Ukraine and how they suddenly thought that this wasn't supposed to happen within a white society. This was supposed to happen in Africa or some other third world country. But today I'm going to slip into darkness and tell you about Ireland and how Ireland turned fallen women into slaves. Until 1996, 1996, are you getting that date? Pregnant or promiscuous women could be incarcerated for life in Magdalene laundries. When the Sisters of Our Lady of Charity decided to sell some land they owned in Dublin, Ireland, to pay their debts in 1992, the nuns followed the proper procedures. They petitioned officials for permission to move the bodies of women buried in the cemetery at their Donnybrook Laundry, which between 1837 and 1992 served as a workhouse and a home for fallen women. But the cemetery at Donnybrook was no ordinary resting place. It was a mass grave. Inside were the bodies of scores of unknown women, the undocumented, uncared-about inmates of one of Ireland's notorious Magdalene laundries. Their lives and later their deaths had been shrouded in secrecy. For more than two centuries, women in Ireland were sent to institutions like Donnybrook as a punishment for having sex outside of marriage. 
unwed mothers, flirtatious women, and others deemed unfit for society were forced to labor under the strict supervision of nuns for months or years, sometimes even life. This is slavery. When the mass grave at Donnybrook was discovered, the 155 unmarked tombs touched off a scandal that exposed the extent and horrors of the Magdalene laundries. As women came forward to share their experiences of being held against their will in restrictive workhouses, the Irish public reacted with outrage. When the Magdalene movement first took hold in the mid-18th century, the campaign to put fallen women to work was supported by both the Catholic and Protestant churches, with women serving short terms inside the asylum with the goal of rehabilitation. Over the years, however, the Magdalene laundries, named for the biblical figure Mary Magdalene, became primarily Catholic institutions, and the stints grew longer and longer. Women sent there were often charged with redeeming themselves through lace-making, needlework, or doing laundry. So, okay, so now we know where they got the name Magdalene, and we know where they got the name Laundry, because that's what they were doing. And though most residents had not been convicted of any crime, conditions inside were prison-like. Redemption might sometimes involve a variety of coerced measures, including shaving heads, institutional uniforms, bread and water diets, restricted visiting, supervised correspondence, solitary confinement, and even flogging. That's slavery. Ireland's first institution, the Magdalene Asylum for Penitent Females in Dublin, was founded by the Protestant Church of Ireland in 1765. At the time, there was a worry that prostitution in Irish cities was on the rise and that wayward women who had been seduced had sex outside marriage, or gotten pregnant out of wedlock, were susceptible to becoming prostitutes. Soon parents began sending their unmarried daughters to the institution to hide their pregnancies. Initially, a majority of women entered the institution voluntarily and served out multi-year terms in which they learned a respectable profession. The idea was that they'd employ these skills to earn money after being released. Their work supported the institution while they were there. But over time, the institutions became more like prisons, with many different groups of women being routed through the system, sometimes by the Irish government. There were inmates imported from psychiatric institutions and jails, women with special needs, victims of rape and sexual assault, pregnant teenagers sent there by their parents, and girls deemed too flirtatious or tempting to men. And then others were there for no obvious reason. Though the institutions were run by Catholic orders, they were supported by the Irish government which funneled money toward the system in exchange for laundry services. 
Nuns ruled the laundries with impunity, sometimes beating inmates and forcing strict rules of silence. You didn't know when the next beating was going to come, said survivor Mary Smith in an oral history. Smith was incarcerated in the Sunday's Well Laundry in Cork after being raped. Nuns told her it was in case she got pregnant. Once there, she was forced to cut her hair and take on a new name. She was not allowed to talk and was assigned backbreaking work in the laundry, where nuns regularly beat her for minor infraction and forced her to sleep in the cold. Due to the trauma she suffered, Smith doesn't remember exactly how long she spent in Sunday's wells. To me, it felt like a lifetime, she said. But Smith wasn't alone. Often women's names were stripped from them. They were referred to by numbers or as child or pennant. Some inmates, often orphans or victims of rape or abuse, stayed there for a lifetime. Others escaped and were brought back to the institutions. Doesn't this have a familiar ring to it, my friends? Another survivor, Marina Gambold, was placed in a laundry by her local priest. She recalls being forced to eat off the floor after breaking a cup and getting locked outside in the cold for a minor infraction. I was working in the laundry from 8 in the morning until about 6 in the evening, she told BBC in 2013. I was starving with the hunger. I was giving bread and dripping for my breakfast. Now, my friends, I know what the bread is, but I have no idea what drippings are. <laughs> Some pregnant women were transferred to homes for unwed mothers, where they bore and temporarily lived with their babies and worked in conditions similar to those of the laundries. Babies were usually taken from their mothers and handed over to other families. In one of the most notorious homes, the bond secures mothers and babies' home in Tuam, scores of babies died. In 2014, remains of at least 796 babies were found in a septic tank in the home's yard. The facility is still being investigated to reconstruct the story of what happened there. How did such an abusive system endure for 231 years in Ireland? To start with, any talk of harsh treatment at the Magdalene laundries and mothers' homes tended to be dismissed by the public since the institutions were run by religious orders. Survivors who told others what they had been through were often shamed or ignored. Other women were too embarrassed to talk about their past and never told anyone about their experiences. Details on both the inmates and their lives are scant. Estimates of the number of women who went through Irish Magdalene laundries vary and most religious orders have refused to provide information for investigators and historians. Up to 300,000 women are thought to have passed through the laundries in total, 
at least 10,000 of them since 1922. But despite a large number of survivors, the laundries went unchallenged until the 1990s. Then the Sisters of Our Lady of Charity decided to sell some of its land in 1992. They applied to have 133 bodies moved from unmarked graves on the property. But the remains of 155 people were found. When journalists learned that only 75 death certificates existed, startled community members cried out for more information. The nuns explained there had been an administrative error, cremated all of the remains, and reburied them in another mass grave. The discovery turned the Magdalene laundries from an open secret to front-page news. Suddenly, women began to testify about their experiences at the institution and to pressure the Irish government to hold the Catholic Church accountable and to pursue cases with the United Nations for human rights violation. Soon, the UN urged the Vatican to look into the matter, stating that girls at the laundries were deprived of their identity of education and often food and essential medicines and were imposed with an obligation of silence and prohibited from having any contact with the outside world. That, my friends, is the history of the Catholic Church as well as Europeans. And as the Catholic Church remained silent, the Irish government released a report that acknowledged extensive government involvement in the laundries and deep cruelty of the institutions. In 2013, Ireland's president apologized to the Magdalene women and announced a compensation fund. Oh, wow. Did we receive a compensation fund? And once again, the Catholic Church refused to talk, and when they did, lied. Due in part to the uproar surrounding the discovery of the mass grave, the last Magdalene Laundry finally closed in 1996. Known as the Gloucester Street Laundry, it was home to 40 women, most of them elderly and many with developmental disabilities. Nine had no known relatives. All decided to stay with the nuns. As many of us decided to stay on the plantations because we had no education and nowhere to go. Although Smith managed to reclaim her own life, she understands the damage that long-term institutionalization can inflict. My body went into shell shock when I went there. When that door closed, my life was over. You see all these women there and you know you're going to end up like them and be psychologically damaged for the rest of your life. My friends, that's European history, no matter what else you wanna call it. But we know European history all the way back to 1619. And we know about the Catholic Church and the scandals that it is going through today and the ones that were previously committed and never brought to the light. So why should American journalists 
be surprised when Russia tries to destroy the people of the Ukraine. It is their history. My friends, <laughs> once again, that damn music tells me that it's time for me to get out of here. But before I go, I gotta leave you a thought. Did you know that until the Moors came to Europe in the seventh century and civilized them, over 90% of the European population could not read or write. Even kings and queens were illiterate. My friends, if you don't like the truth, then this is not the show for you. Have a good day. Until next time, it's been my honor.